to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, Johnny Coates joins me to talk about his experience of moving from a primary to a secondary setting, the similarities, the differences, the challenges, and the learning points. Brace yourself for this one. It's a roller coaster of a ride. On today's episode, I'm joined by Johnny Coates. Johnny is Director of Business and Finance at Tanfield School in County Durham. He also works as Capital Projects Coordinator across the Eden Learning Multi-Academy Trust as part of a wider role. Johnny comes from a financial services background, but has been working in the education sector since 2010. He stumbled upon the school business manager role whilst helping someone else to apply for the job, but got bitten by the bug and has never looked back. To date, he has completed CSBM, IOSH Managing Safely, and is currently working towards his Level 7 SIPFA Financial and Operational Leadership and Management Qualification. Since 2010 and before working with the MAT, he has worked in two maintained primaries and two maintained secondaries. In his spare time, he is a big fan of Newcastle United and fast cars. Today, we're going to be talking about what the transition from primary to secondary was like and the lessons he learned along the way. Welcome, Johnny. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm dying to ask you. You've said that you like fast cars. I love fast Mm. cars. What's your ideal car? Oh, it's a tricky one. Um, I think the dream would be a Ferrari four five eight. Yeah, something like that. I think, but yeah, very the very track driven. Um, I suppose you couldn't really pull up in the supermarket with one of those. Uh, and if you did, <laughs> no. you know, you'd probably think you would be uh, some sort of a uh, footballer or something. But but no, I do like um, I like things like Audi R eight. Um, you know, something that is it's still mm-hmm. a lot of money. It's still you know best part of a hundred grand. Um, but yeah. it's not it's not a quarter of a million. Um, so you know the dream's there one day maybe is there. But yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like sort of current car. I've got a Golf GTI. That's that's where I'm at the level I'm at now. So <laughs> I've yeah. got a bit of a way to go. That's fast enough, I think. But how how many horsepower is that? Uh, two four five. But I'm looking at a um, modified remap, so it could be three fifty. So another yeah could potentially boost it quite a lot. But to be honest, it's um. It is the best car I've ever had. It's um, it's DSG gearbox, so you don't have to worry about you know changing gear quickly. You it does it really, really um, efficiently and really nice. Right, it's nice and smooth yeah. to drive. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at at the minute. So, still a oh, still a boy racer car. Probably a little bit, little bit too old for one of those now, though. <laughs> no, I love it. My thirtieth birthday, I my husband got me a track day, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I love Formula One. Um, as some people know so yeah I'm definitely into my car so it's always nice to meet someone that can talk cars with me I like it yeah yeah it's only kind of a, a recent thing really I'd say over the last sort of five years because before that I was yeah. I was into sort of Mondeals <laughs> so I've had a little <laughs> bit of a, a little bit of a transition really but to be honest um absolutely love it now and I haven't had a track day yet um on Nürburgring so I might be picking your brains on that on a on a separate chat I think all right. Okay. I look forward to continuing this car conversation then. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. But today, we're not talking about cars, unfortunately. Uh, we're talking about the transition from primary school to secondary school as a business manager, what that was like, and the lessons that you learned. So, wh- where does the story start, Johnny? Uh, yeah. So, I think 2010, I had no experience of, of working in a school and I didn't know what I wanted to do because as you said in the intro there, I used to be in banking, so I was I was sort of in mortgages, financial services. Um, I was looking to be a management accountant, really in in a in a banking sort of a role. But but that fell through with um, with things that happened in the in, in the sort of crash in two thousand seven and eight. So I was a little bit in limbo really, and uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. 
and then when when I joined the the first school, it was a real eye opener because it was term time only. It was it was quite a quite a strange environment, I think, to be in when you're mm. from the outside. A lot of people have been there for a long time, especially sort of in the office. And and I went in really to just to just see what it was all about. So I started off in a small primary, and then within a couple of years, I just I just kind of got a real taste for it. Um, was able to make a small difference in a small school, or you know, kind of make things a bit better and um, more efficient and I just wanted to do it on a bigger scale so I then went to a, a larger primary who had a had a sports facility so it was it was quite obviously I'm into sport and football and in particular and um, and they didn't have football teams and stuff like that so I was able to do the job and coach some football to the kids set up girls football teams we won some some uh, titles when that was that was where I was at and then that sort of about two years really before I made the move to secondary I had a chat mm. with my head teacher. She said, look, I'm going to retire in a couple of years. And she said, you've got loads of potential. You don't want to be still here in 10 years because you could do what you're doing now, but on a on a bigger scale. She was talking about multi-academy trusts, really, and, and almost being being a leader and as such in a, in a bigger organisation. She felt I had that those skills and, and qualities. But mm. I didn't know at the time what I wanted to do, particularly. So what she said was a bit of advice I got was to try and find the biggest role that's out there at the minute and apply for it and see what happens. So I did. And I'm in Newcastle upon Tyne, so northeast England. The role I went for was in a secondary school in London. And okay, that's thought, a jump. You know, you know. So I was I was 23 when I started in sort of secondary, uh, sorry, in primary school. I was 23 as a business manager. Mm. This was six years later, so you know, a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And I just thought, you know, let's let's have a go. And <laughs> I went there, and uh, you know, I got down to the last six in that process, and it was a. It was an all-encompassing, almost chief operating officer role within a within a single academy, but a, a large ten million pound budget. And my budget in the primary is a million. The staff levels are so so much bigger. But I got some really good feedback, and what they said was, "You really um, came across quite well. Had all of the mm. kind of skills they were looking for. Apart from, I didn't have any either academy or secondary experience. So the two things they were looking for. If I had one of those, I could have got that role. Yeah. I could have relocated. Big would have been a big change. So I just kind of went back a little bit, sort of." you know, enthused by it all. And, and then mm. a few months later, I really started looking locally to me if there's any, any roles come up within a secondary school. And initially I tried academy and then the experience, not having a secondary or academy experience still went against, you know, in, even in the Northeast, they don't come up very often. Yeah. And when they mm. did come up, there was, well, you know, if you've been in a secondary, just moving to an academy secondary, that would be okay. But they, they didn't feel like I could make the transition from primary maintained to what is a totally different world as an academy and secondary at the same time. I did feel like I could, but, you know, I had to convince somebody. So I ended up sort of applying um, for a role and it was an hour away from where I live. So it was a little bit out of the area and I was sort of successful with that role. That was 2017. So that was the that was the move to secondary school. So that's where I kind of how I made the move really over seven years, really in primary and then, then secondary since then. In terms of that jump from primary to secondary I know like you said you had the feedback people were saying to you oh well you we don't think you can do this because you've not got the experience of secondary before yeah what what did you think the differences were at the time and were you right do you think well to be honest the um the biggest difference that I would I would say between just between primary and secondary that I found is is that in a primary you know you have to do all of the jobs yourself really um you have a small team um and you've got to you've got to live within your means because it's quite a tight budget staffing levels you know cost a lot more really to run a primary sort of 85 to 90 percent budget um as opposed to secondary where you've got a little bit more to play with 
yeah, the the biggest change I would say that, that I realised straight away was that I wouldn't be based in the main office, I'd be based in my own office. Mm-hmm. I'd have to manage the the admins, the site teams, rather than just you know a few people. There were actually teams of people. So I went from managing yeah. seven staff in the first role I went to to over forty. I think it was forty two staff. Wow. So a big jump. Um, so the biggest jump was obviously yeah. managing people, quite difficult, and obviously not having the experience of how a secondary works um, hands-on, mm. and that was a big surprise, particularly around the leadership side, because in primary there's there's a deputy ahead, and then there's usually the business mm. manager in previous schools I've worked in. There's no assistant heads, really, and, and in a secondary straight away there was sort of five or six assistant heads, there was two deputy heads, the head teacher, yeah, a large governing body, so quite a bigger scale, just a lot more kind of a uh, lot more people and bigger seemed a bigger challenge really. So that was something that really stood out. So tell me about the job that you applied for and was successful. I applied for it. It was in the May um, when when I had the interview and I started right at the end of term. So I started with it being a maintained school. The budget year started in April and I joined midway through somebody else's budget. So when I when I kind of went for the interview, I was quite green. I was quite sort of I was pleased to be there for an interview because I found that quite difficult because the opportunities didn't come up very often in the secondary in my area. So I didn't know the area. So I wanted to find out more about the school, really. And I was told that they were a growing school that had some issues previously, but they'd had a rebuild through BSF and they'd, uh, they'd had eight million pounds spent on them. So they'd rebuilt the school, really. They'd already done that and they were they had money for a 3G football pitch to be built on the site that I would be project managing if I was successful. And they had right. a, a what they described as a small um, budget deficit in year of half a million pounds. So I kind of took that on board as that, well, it's a chance to build a football academy, which again, mm-hmm. really <laughs> excited me straight away because, I, because I'd, I'm really keen to get involved with that type of thing. Yeah, and, and this budget deficit, well, the previous two primary schools I'd worked in, I'd had real success with, with being able to save a lot of money, especially with the budget being so tight. So both schools are left in quite a healthy financial position. I thought, well, you know, half a million pound in year, based based on the fact that, that you know they're a four million pound um, budget. So you know, let's let's see what we can do with that. And um, yeah, I'm sure I can come up with a plan. So that was that was how I went into it. Really, I didn't really ask any questions around um, around that. I just asked sort of what would the role entail what what were the priorities and basically was yeah we need to sort the budget out in the air and we need to build a 3d pitch i thought well that's great you know you know they're the two priorities yeah. so so that's uh that's what i asked about in the um sort of interview process and that's pretty much all i asked really i didn't know if i would get the role or not i, I thought i did as well as i could but it was quite an intense process it was sort of a panel interview then there was different types of people on different panels asking different questions and there was a goldfish bowl exercise and then there was a financial task and then there was a, um, a prioritization task. It was quite a few different things. Whereas mm. in the primary school, I've only ever had to do a presentation for both schools. So it was a bit of a change. Yeah. So I just thought, look, uh, I, I'm here. I've, I've done, I've done what I think I can do as well as I can. And didn't really think much about it until sort of got a phone call later in the day. So I've been offered the role and was quite pleased. Finally made the, the step up really as I saw it. And hopefully we could we could sort of get started quite quickly. So um, there was a it was about a six week delay waiting for a DBS clearance because it was a different authority in different area. So I had to wait for a sort of new DBS. So then I, I started that. Um, it was in the June of that of that year. It was towards the end. So it was coming towards the end of the GCIC, um period for the for the the students there. So that was a new experience as well. So that was kind of how I got the role really. Did you account for that difference? 
you know, between primary and secondary in your interview. So obviously we, we talked before about the difference between you have to manage more staff and, you know, yeah. everything's just on a bigger scale. Did you kind of compensate for that in the interview and make that explicit in your answers? I did, yes, because um, so previously I'd be obviously had the feedback um, in one of the schools mm. was quite sort of, you know, you're doing it in a primary school, but we are we are a much larger organisation. So you need to demonstrate to us how you would how you would transfer your skills to a bigger, a bigger environment. So, you know, sort of speaking, so I did. I did kind of go a little bit the other way. I was sort of saying, well, you know, I'm keen to learn. I was I was talking about CPD, talking about how I would how I would sort of be learning on the job, but also be bringing some fresh ideas and some new sort of enthusiasm to the role. So I had to kind of I felt like I had to overcompensate really for being in a primary school, which um, which I don't think I don't think that should be how it is because yeah. the role is around you know the tasks are all the same. And it's just a bigger scale, and, and you have to be able to manage it effectively, but but on a bigger scale. So it's not, um, you know, it's not unsurmountable. You know, I don't really see why that would be a stumbling block because I know primary school teachers can move from primary school to secondary school without any issue. They can do a conversion course. You know, they can they can do it quite easily. But I felt as though it was a little bit of a, a bigger challenge for whatever reason. I had mm. to sort of fight a little bit harder. I would say for it, even though you know I was. I was bringing evidence around what I'd done in primary. Every time I mentioned primary, it was almost primary, a bit smaller, you know. So <laughs> that's how it yeah. felt, you know. But anyway, I did, yeah. I did it, and, uh, and and I got there in the end. So that was quite positive, I suppose, that, that I was able to persuade them. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop now because I feel like you've set us up yeah. quite well. Yeah. <laughs> so so what? So what? <laughs> where are we going next? <laughs> well, so first day, I suppose we'll start with that. Um, I, kind yeah. of, I met <laughs> I walked in the staff room and just got introduced to everybody in a briefing which was like a briefing I'd never heard of you know those type of level there was about there was about 100 staff in the room and I just walked in you know suit on and not many people had you know had a clue who I was really or, or um I was just kind of dropped in as you know he's the new business manager and you know where his office is so I'm sure I'm sure kind of everybody will be popping by to say hello and, and it was like well, you know, totally different. So I started there on the on the first day. I was due to have a handover with the um, the previous business manager who'd left, which had left about six weeks previously. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. eight weeks. So basically, to cut a long story short, she didn't she didn't uh, make the handover for whatever reason. I was just handed a piece of paper with some information on, and that was my handover. So it's a small bit of paper, A5, few bullet points. And then a budget pack. So the first thing I did was I looked at the budget pack and I just tried to get my head around it because it's it was low authority. I was experienced at looking at that information, interpreting it. So I thought, let's have a look. There's just a little bit of a, a little bit of a, an issue on the page because I was told obviously half a million pound in year deficit. So I was looking for five hundred grand on the page, and all I kept saying was two point nine million and five hundred thousand. So I was, you know, <laughs> is that? Oh. Is that is that reserves and no because of the habit set you know I just couldn't work out but it turned out basically there was a there was a um a huge accumulative deficit of two point nine million as well as the half a million in year deficit so that was day oh, one um I had no idea how they got that day stage. one day one and that I didn't you literally know. found that out on your first day <laughs> well yeah I mean I was presented with with saying the handover which was these are the projects that are ongoing um and here is some uh, sort of budget information so I then. I then asked to, to the IT department, so I met them and the um and they sort of said, uh, you know, introduce who they were. They were they were an outsourced IT company, and I said, have you got access right. to the, the previous sort of files? Finance? There was there was no kind of 
it, real information. I didn't have any information to go on. And I said, well, have you got previous files? Oh, yes, we'll have a look at the old business manager's account and we'll be able to drop those into your shared area, you know. And the filing cabinets just, just there was just stuff everywhere, but there wasn't anything tangible. So I got um, on the first day again, about lunchtime, I got a phone call from the IT guy, asked if, if he can jump on my computer and had a look. Basically, he couldn't, couldn't retrieve any files from, from the previous years. So there was a, basically a massive black hole of 10 years worth of information. And I just didn't know where I was going to find this out from. So basically anything that the, any any piece of information that might have helped piece the jigsaw together wasn't there. So I had to basically start from scratch and I didn't know which way to turn on the first day. It was, it was a big, it was a big jump anyway. And it was, a, you know, I was quite nervous around it because it, I wanted to prove that I could do that role on a bigger scale, but I had no help in hand whatsoever. I just had to get on with it really. So that was the first day. Um, finding out there was a huge deficit wow. and also not having anything to go off for the, the previous sort of 10 years worth of information so that was a big shock really and kind of raised it and as a result I found out they didn't have any off-site backup or, or on-site backup so that was an issue that I had to deal with quite quickly you know find out why they didn't have backups but again it was, it was just an oversight really they didn't think they needed it so the server on site had failed therefore there was nothing else backed up somewhere else so because that that information was not backed up externally, I couldn't do anything about it. So that was a bit of a learning curve as well. So that was day one. I was going to say, uh, you, you can't see me right now, but I'm literally my jewelry's like on the desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like thinking that might be the worst first day ever. It's a whole new definition of starting from scratch, isn't it? You've got this huge deficit. Where do you start? You've got no background information. Where do you go next? Well, um, yeah. So I kind of. Um, I kind of had a meeting with the, the head teacher and um, just explained, you know, is this, is this correct? Is this, oh, yes, yes, we've got a, a historic deficit. It was referred to as a historic deficit. That's right. Well, I said, historic deficit is not historic when it's still sort of building up because you're going to increase that. If it was a five years in the past and, you know, you're paying off a small percentage yeah. in interest over the years, that, that's fine. But this was, this was growing every year. So um, I just said, you know, Bit concerned really that that this information isn't isn't clear. Do you understand why the budget's in this position? And she just said, well, you know, we've we've had to we've had to grow as a school. There's been some lagged funding issues. I've had to improve standards and just all those type of conversations. I said, mm-hmm. but um, but you know, what is the long term goal? How are we going to get out of this? And she says, oh, we've got a deficit recovery plan. So I looked at that and it was again just mind boggling. So I opened this this file up um, and it had. To pay off this 2.9 plus whatever, I think we're predicting 4 million at one point it was going to end up by. It would take 29 years to pay that back. Um, wow. And I just I just thought, right, okay, so really, you know, tw- and I said, are you wanting this to go to 4 million? Can we not nip it in the bud right now? And she said, well, you know, I've been told it can't be done. And I was like, right, okay, so let's set a challenge. And I said, you know, this very first thing, you've got to stop the rot. You've just got to nip this in the bud now and so you can't just continue to to allow the the debt to grow and i didn't think she really found it as a debt or it was more well we're here to serve children and i've got to have the the best available resources to do that therefore this kind of that's it but from my point of view financial background i've got a lot of pride in what i do well a little i've got a lot of pride in in not not setting deficit budgets and touch wood you know 11 years into the role i've never had to set a deficit budget and i, and I always find 
that 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 is the key. Once you get the finances right, you can worry about everything else. But you've got to, you've just got to get the you've got to get the things the structure right. So I started having to to investigate every single area and looked at things like large contracts. So there was a few large contracts that you know there was no register of what contracts they had, what um what costs, what reviews been taking place, who was the owner of this contract. So I just had to slowly build that up. So I built up a um sort of database and had a really um a really good finance officer who her role was processing um things. You know, she didn't question things, she she did her job and I really got her on board and just we just started working together and um and you know she was she was unpicking the system for me really and, and giving me information. I was then interpreting things, putting it into spreadsheets and just then getting grasp on it. But to be honest it was a it was a big challenge just to get the information in the first place because I'd say that there's no information previous that I could access. So I'm literally starting yeah. from scratch. So I just had to unpick it um, and just as a massive bombshell hit. So I just thought I'd sorted some things out. So I'd started in September, term nice and fresh. And it got to about the October and I was told that um, from the FA that they hadn't had a um, funding application submitted yet for the 3G pitch. And I just had conversations. Said, well, we've got a project manager who's he was an outsourced guy who was who was running the, the sports facilities, the community facilities. And he was dealing with it. He says, Well, yeah, but he's not replying to any of his uh, emails. Um he didn't work for us, so I couldn't really I wasn't monitoring him, I just assumed it was all in hand. Um, because it was an external project. But basically he said basically they were three months away from losing the losing the application window. They didn't have the funding for the three G pitch, which is half a million pound. They also had to contribute their own half a million pound from various sources in order because it was match funded. Um, so that was a huge, huge bombshell in the middle of October when I confronted the guy about it and just said, you know, what's the state of place? Is um, well, I was waiting to have a meeting with you about it. Uh, you know, as I just said, well, you know, I've been here since June and we've we've had a couple of conversations and every time I spoke to him, he's been he's been just, you know, talking the talk and then um, so basically they they didn't have the half a million pound grant for the three G pitch, and uh, I had to do a year's worth of work in order to turn around a year's worth of work in three months was the deadline. So, so basically within within two days of me having a meeting with him on the Thursday. He handed his notice in on the Friday in terms of his contract. He ended his own SLA um, with the school. So it, it meant just having to then unpick all of that. So, yeah, so lots of challenges, really. And that was that was a, enough to keep me busy, really, until sort of the end of uh, January when the deadline was from then, um, beginning of February. And at that point, I then had to try and balance the, the next year's budget, which would be my first budget in that school. So that's, that's kind of how the, the first nine months of the job went, really. It was dealing with lots and lots of issues in terms of finances, projects that weren't fulfilled, potentially losing money left, right and centre, really. So that was that was definitely thrown in at the deep end and not what I was expecting, really. So moving in and, like you say, you know, firefighting and dealing with the issues that were coming at you left and right, but also I suppose it was dealing with you coming in as a business manager, working with the head teacher, establishing that communication and accountability and awareness for all staff in terms of how things fit together and how things should be. Was that a challenge in terms of culture? I would say that is the biggest um, challenge because previously, so the, the 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 way that it was run was that you go and see the head teacher if you want, if your department needs something, but it can be anybody. You know, it's not, there's no, there's no structure. There's no head of department yeah. has to approve something. So basically you could have lots of teachers in the same department all working differently, but then all using different systems without their real head of department having that say. So, I set up a structure um, which was uh, almost a working group of all of the heads of departments. They would have to be the point of contact for their own staff. And then they would come to me with a, the business case. That didn't go down well, to be honest, with 
to be honest, with a few members of staff who had it their own way for a long time. But you know, I explained the situation in terms of finances. But the finances were a little bit of a, a little bit of a secret, I suppose, in the school. They knew there was issues, but they didn't really know uh, what the issues were, and they just assumed it was, it was kind of being sorted. It was going to be all right, really. And um, but I was yeah. sort of very much no, we'll have to do this first. But I was often given the task by the head to just find the money from somewhere. And obviously that that challenge in itself was more a kind of education for, for both of us because, you know, the communication, I had to give really difficult messages to to the leadership team and the head, particularly around um, things that probably have been signed off in the past. Now, we don't know what happened in the past, so I'm not having any information. I was just kind of, this is my my take on it. This is where we're at. I had local authority support. We had a... Um, so it was the largest deficit in the history of the local authority. So there was a caseworker assigned to our school. Um, she only had five schools in the whole authority out of 200, 290 schools, so roughly. So we were one of the five, you know, the five, the famous five yeah. um, schools. So <laughs> but we were the top of the tree. So I was going, you know, I, was, I had to have that support. I had to have somebody in the LA, really, because we're a maintained school. We're not an academy, so we need to follow the LA rules. So basically she was there right beside me um and she just came up with a plan together and we just delivered the news and it was just this is how it's going to have to be there are no alternatives um when it became a challenge it was right we need to restructure things and that could be teaching so i found a lot of a lot of things that weren't involved were um there was no curriculum led financial planning so if the department yeah. needed a boost it was just given resources in terms of teaching so a supply teacher might come in or uh, another appointment was made on a temporary contract there was no, um, is there money for it? Is there a scope for it? Are we requiring that need? The supply budget was, was just astronomical. Um, you know, so that was one of the issues that I'd found. And I said, well, we need to try and tighten the belt on this. So the message I had to give was 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 probably devastating, I suppose, to some because, you know, it's a little bit yeah. uh, demoralising when you're sitting, you know, you've got a wonderful idea to make your department fantastic. All the school better. And, and I'm sort of saying, well, you know, computer says no I suppose but the thing is I was given um, I was given almost uh, warm nicknames such as Scrooge McScrooge oh. um, and yeah. Um, and yeah and it was like getting blood out of stone apparently with with me in terms of finance and I thought well, you know if that's if that's what the feel when when they were previously shedding money everywhere I suppose it's not a bad not a bad way to go because um, it means that they're actually aware of it, you know. Uh, and if that's if that's the best I could do in terms of making them aware, at least, um, and trying to trying to stop the rot, I think I was quite pleased with that. Your background with financial services, I'm assuming, obviously, you must have had transferable skills from that role and and used that in this situation. Do, yeah. do you think that was a benefit to you? Well, I definitely think I was lucky in, in, because out of all of the skills in in the role of a school business leader, there's Lots, you know, you have to be a lot of things, really, you know. And I didn't have any experience in any of the areas, so premises, mm. HR. Uh, I had small teams of people. It wasn't really HR. It was, it was more like, you know, I had line manager and a manager, a senior manager, a director, and I was just kind of, you know, cascading down the line. This is your own boss in terms of you have to. People have to look up to you. You have to make the decisions and you have to present your business case. But one thing that really sort of stood out was well actually a lot of what I found was that a lot of the schools that I'd worked in didn't have anybody with financial experience or expertise so I kind of found that as a, a really massive massive plus because I could go and almost talk to them about finance what I did struggle with um, is trying to trying to and I still struggle to this day really is, is trying to describe to non-financial related sort of people how how finances work it's not straightforward it's not cut and dry but basically in a nutshell 
you know, there's a budget, you've got to stretch it out and you've got to you've got to do certain things. But what I was able to do was use the financial acumen, I suppose, I picked up from previous early career sort of roles. And mm-hmm. I was able to use that and to negotiate things like contracts. And I had a really good eye for detail. Uh, I've always had an eye for detail because the level of, I mean, I was dealing with 50 million pounds worth of mortgages on accounts at the, at the height at, uh, at one of the banks. And that was, that was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of, I had to make sure everything was, was belt and braces with that. And I was able to spot anomalies. I'm really quite so numerically driven. If I see something on the page, I can kind of interpret it quite quickly. And, and I know mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody else in school that did that. So that was a really good transferable skill. Dealing with audiences in with having a director, I had to report to all of my management team and directors. I was a team leader, then a senior, man, then a section manager, and I had lots of managers above me. And I had to on a on a weekly basis report accounts, report trends, and I had to do that. And I was quite young when I did that. I was I was sort of seventeen when I was a team leader, nineteen when I was a section manager, and I had to learn really the hard way. And yeah. and in terms of that, so I felt like you know I was able to kind of bring that on board. So that was a transferable skill, being able to speak to people. So definitely the finance side and dealing with 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 um, audiences. But as as I progressed through through the primary schools, it was contract negotiation was was something I really had a taste for, um, and managing projects. Mm-hmm. Again, I love I love project management. I love having a plan, an idea, and turning that plan and idea into something tangible for the kids that they can actually uh, leave as a you know a legacy. So one of the primary schools will build three playgrounds and a forest school, and you know I drive past that school sometimes, and I'm a governor still. And they're using that, and there's, you know, the for the next twenty years they're going to be able to get enjoyment and, and stuff like that. And that's what really drove me. I think that's why I wouldn't want to leave the, the role because no matter where I've been, I think I've always been made, been able to use something, uh, you know, some of the skills I've, I've built up in order to to make it better. And and that's that's kind of, you know, what I was really, really keen to push. Really was get your finances right, and you can have these things. You can have these lovely things, you know, but you've got to, you've got to start somewhere with getting that underpinned yeah. really from there so it's quite daunting really you know having to have all these conversations and yeah I mean the very first thing I did actually um after a month I just felt I felt quite lonely in the role because um I was new and it was the end of term everybody was absolutely shattered as as is usual uh, in schools by sort of July um and I just got in touch with some local schools and asked who the business manager was and found out there's local uh, network groups so you know um in my previous roles and the two other schools there wasn't a, a, a local group there was a was a wider sort of group for um, northeast schools, but there wasn't a sort of specific LA sort of group. So I was able to find that group and, yeah. and just just vent and just get some advice. And you know, has anybody else had these experiences? And it was really quite quite good to do that. So that that's how we made it kind of better. I think it was more reassuring knowing there was other people there to support. Yeah, it's such a lonely role, isn't it? And having that that connection and that network of just people to even, like say, bounce ideas off or just to rant at even, you know, yeah. and just say, am Absolutely. I going mad? Is it me? Yeah. <laughs> it makes a world of difference. Definitely. So I'm assuming there's a happy ending to this story, isn't there? There is a happy ending, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, I mean, I'll tell you the outcome. The outcome, my first, my first budget setting was, was set a balanced budget, um, a small balanced budget yeah. by but I had to I had to um, manage that and monitor that extensively for the whole financial year. And at the end of the year, it turned yeah. into a, a forty thousand pound surplus. So from it actually turned, you know, the, the in year deficit wasn't half a million. The first year it was over six hundred thousand. By the time it everything had, had hit the account, and then they're now, from what I know, they're now sustainable. They're now 
Um, there's a lot of factors in that. Obviously, the school was grown at the time, so they lagged funding issues, of course. I think that they've got a better footing in terms of staffing, but they've got financial procedures in place that are robust now, and, and there's, a, there's a kind of routine to them. Um, you know, things happen because you've got funds to be able to do them now. So, yeah, I mean, as I was as I was kind of progressing that year, uh, sort of, I worked quite closely with the LA, and once the end of the financial year had closed, and a couple of months later, I received a a letter from the uh, well, the head teacher received a letter really just talking about the school's cumulative deficit um, and how it was 3.4 million. I just over and there was a sentence in there which just said, as a result, you know, if you're bringing in a new business manager in 2017, we were extremely pleased to see that the, the budget had not only been balanced but had made a surplus, generated a surplus for the first time in 12 years. And that was it had the year and everything that it, you know, since 2006 7. So it was really quite nice feedback. She showed me that and I, and I was quite pleased with it. Um, I mean, the next challenge was to, to make sure that that 3G football pitch was, was secured. So I had to fight a little bit for that as well. So so at the end of that first year, basically, in a nutshell, the budget was balanced. The 3G money was there for the pitch. We'd managed to secure all different types of funding. Um, and the next project for the school was to become an academy. So I was uh, I was kind of looking at then how do we become an academy with a debt? And, and so I got I got into kind of lots of different discussions around that with lots of different people. And I think I kind of, that's how I ended up in the role I'm in now because of having that experience and yeah. just being honest from the outset, you know, we know we've got an issue, but we need to tackle this issue. So if we tackle the issue, then the school can progress. And now I'm really pleased to see that the school is, is flourishing. It is one of the best schools in the authority. It's got good results, you know, and that's great to see. And I'm no longer there because I've, I've moved on to an academy um, and you know, multi-academy trust was, was where I see myself you know, growing. So I'm really mm. pleased that if I didn't have that experience, I think I'll probably be a little bit sheltered still from the, the kind of transition. If I just moved into a nice sort of environment where everything was okay, I don't think I would have been as sort of excited and challenged by it all. So yeah, it was a real eye-opener and uh, you know, a lot of fun really, <laughs> believe it or not. I'm a bit like that. I like a challenge. So yeah, problem solving. I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted that for your first day. No. <laughs> but still, that is the worst first day I've ever heard. In yeah. hindsight, just out of curiosity, um, if we're talking about due diligence when applying for jobs, yeah. would you have been able to find out any of that information? And if so, how would you have gone about it? Just for anyone else listening who's thinking, mm, how yeah. do I do my research? Well, I suppose being being in a um, in a local authority maintained sort of um, primary school for the six seven years that I was there, we always got presented with information from the LA, and that was the financial information. What I hadn't caught sort of caught up with was the real world of actually you can actually go on online and you can find out now. You could then you know um, yeah. what the finances of schools are like. So had I done that little bit of extra research, the research I did do was looking at the school's offset report, looking at the ethos, and mm. those came across quite well in the interview. But I didn't. I just didn't take it to the next level. So I didn't talk about performance tales. I didn't understand really what it was all about at that stage. When I was at a primary, it was very different. So mm. I didn't know now with hindsight, I should have I should have dug deeper. I should have found out what, I should have asked many of you, what are your, you know, not what are the projects, what are the nice things, but what are the real challenges? Why do you think the school has got a deficit? And is there any particular reason? I didn't ask those questions and I didn't mm. find out from the, internet, the Oracle of Google to find out, you know, what the school was like. Because if I had done that, then I would have been a little bit more prepared for it. And I could have also yeah. now, uh, the other thing is find out who your nearest schools are. So I, I did like a 10 mile radius of, of secondaries and primary schools. So you know who the catchment areas, you know who the feeder schools, or partner schools with primary to secondary are. And if there's any secondaries in the area, maybe check to see if 
if you can get in touch with them, just for a quick chat around, you know, thinking of applying role in the area and just to do a little bit more research. And that that's one thing I would I really wish I had done. I wonder I do wonder whether I would have taken the role on had I known all of this before. I suppose with hindsight. I was it, just gonna ask you that. <laughs> yeah. It was so yeah, I suppose with hindsight, I probably would have thought twice because I had quite a nice job um in a nice primary school with a lovely <laughs> budget with lots of new outdoor environment. I did the football um you know but at the same time that school was going through a change I would have had a change either to mm. a, a bigger project or a new head teacher coming in who's going to shake things up as well so I suppose with hindsight yeah I want I really wanted to be in a secondary school because I wanted to I wanted to do things on a bigger scale if I could and if I could work for a multi-academy trust where bigger opportunities are that that was what my goal was so if I had you know if I just waited another year there's still there's still only mm. two two jobs or three jobs per year come up in, in this particular sort of area around uh, around secondary schools so it would have been mm. it would have been difficult but one of the interestingly the one once I'd taken the job I was actually in touch with the guy who is the head teacher in London who had interviewed me previously and he basically had a had a job offer of a of, of relocating and taking on a different type role as chief financial officer in the same school but right. less sort of he'd, he'd sort of split the role up and I just wonder, I still wonder now, you know, had I not been in that role and had I not actually made the transition already, would I have just said, yeah, let's just go mm. for it. And that's the way I'm going to have to do it because it was a, I still, I still get, keep in touch with them. You know, he's a West Ham fan, bless him, you know, doing better than <laughs> us this year, but, but, um, you know, can't hold that against them really. But um, every time the football's on, we'll have a bit of banter. It's lovely, you know, it would have been nice, but it would have been a massive transition having to go to London really from the North East because if that's yeah. the way I had to do it. So with hindsight, that would have been the balance, you know. Um, if I didn't take that one, I would have probably ended up in London. So I think it's worked out well because I'm still in my sort of family area. I'm still in the northeast. I'm now close, much closer yeah. to home, and I'm now in a multi academy trust. So if I didn't do those things, I didn't experience those things. I couldn't talk about them, and I couldn't demonstrate mm-hmm. how I'd achieved those results. So you know, I'd still be in the same position, trying to fight to get something that I, I think I does, you know, I'm going to be good at. But how would you persuade people if you haven't got any results behind you? Absolutely. It's hard, isn't it? Hmm. It's an amazing story. And, and I have to ask, because from very early on, you were quite clear, you know, I'm in a primary, I want to be in a secondary, and I want to be in an academy eventually in a mat. Um, you know, now you're in a mat. What, what's next? You know, what, what are your aspirations for the future? Um, well, I mean, to be honest, the, the, I took the risk, the job I'm in now. Um, I wasn't in an, they weren't in an academy at the time. They were trying to convert to academy. So I've seen this as a real opportunity to, it could have, it could have gone either way. It could have been taken over by a, a big um, organisation where they don't they don't have um, schools running their own things. They have their own central teams already established. Luckily, I was able to work with the, the sort of one of the bidders on the sponsors um, because the school had an academy order and, um, and you know, it was really positive. I had a, a fantastic head teacher who'd, who'd been here a couple of years just starting out. Um, really good leadership team, really exciting basically because they wanted to they wanted to change things, um, and they had they had issues with with sort of developing the site and stuff and um, and also sustainability. So I was able to work with that on a project, and we then converted to academy last year in May. So once I joined the academy, really it was it was it's just been just been a really good journey. I've now experienced primary, secondary, and then I've also experienced the transition um, from a maintained to a um, to an academy status so that was I was involved with the whole process and I was for my school mm. side I was trying to lead that you know um, and supporting the new new sponsor school 
and then once once I've joined it, what I've realised is there's lots of potential to to sort of to operate differently as a trust now. There's five schools in this current trust. Um, and I've spoke to um, sort of the CEO a number of times, and we've had conversations. I want to be able to to sort of become chief operating officer. That's that's the the sort of I wouldn't say the next step. I would say the current model of the trust is they've got a CFO, so the chief financial officer, but each school runs their own finances, they run their own buildings, they have we don't have any central mm. teams. So I think the next step would be to try and almost look at how things could be centralized in a in a ethical way without without impacting on people because you know, yes, I've got big ideas and I think things could be much better and but it means obviously the restructures could happen and, and it would make a lot of people unhappy. So I think there's just got to be opportunities yeah. over the next few years to see does does the trust grow? If it grows then sustainability means you're going to have to probably centralize a couple of things slowly um so i'm talking about at the minute compliance things bringing those in, uh, into a central mat level sort of infrastructure and then possibly other things after that um but ultimately i would like to be you know in the next you know hopefully five five years a chief operating officer of a multi-academy trust but again that's the next challenge because that's again another jump from where i'm currently at sort of working with five schools and running one school's sort of budget and things is a lot different to being in charge of five schools budget you know a portfolio of at the current moment would be over you know 20 million plus that's a big jump so i'm just i'm just keen to kind of do the stepping stone bits first so i'm comfortable in, in what i know that i need to achieve i know i need to work at what i'm doing i need to again just improve things as i go along i need to work with the, the current schools to show them if we do things, are we doing it right? You know, are we all kind of collaborating? That's one thing I like to do is, you know, collaborate a little bit further mm. and uh, and see how it develops. But the CEO has been really positive. My head teacher is really supportive guy, and he's um, you know, he's he's sort of thinks I could do that type of role again. It's having somebody who believes in you. You know, just like the primary school when I was there, I hadn't thought about moving to secondary to to take on more responsibility. I just thought. I was doing a good job and I was happy with it. But, you know, if somebody's there supporting you, saying, well, actually, you can do a bit more and do a little bit more. And I get great satisfaction out of yeah. seeing things develop. And then the staff that I've got in my current school and some of the staff in the trust that I've, I've known over the last sort of year and a bit, um, you know, there's lots of good people. And it's nice to see, you know, you can then expand their roles a little bit and then you can give them a little bit more responsibility to develop so they don't become stagnant and, and they get excited by the challenges and, so that's the kind of thing I'm working on. There's a lot, still a lot of work to be done. And um, again, though, I could join a multi-academy trust. It's already set up. When everything's already done, it would be less fun, wouldn't it? So there's, there's, I'd rather yeah. have the, if I'm going to do something, I'd rather kind of be involved in the makeup of it if I can, you know, and see if I can shape things to make them a little bit different. And but still keep them to the values that I've got, which, which I think quite key. You know, you've got to make sure we're in it really for the students them at the end of the day that we're here for yeah um and the people that you manage need, need to buy into what you do so the, the staff that i manage you know a lot of them say i'm very direct to mine um and i and i need something to be this way but there's a reason behind it but you've got to get them on they've got to be on the team they've got to get on board and that's one thing i've learned you know from from the experiences if, if you don't have people on the team it doesn't matter what you do what systems or processes you put in place what your aspirations are if you don't have people with you then it's not gonna it's not gonna happen is it so you, you're gonna have to somehow develop that side so that's something i'm working on how i how i develop that side of my role really going forward mm. how i get people on board a bit more and, and a bigger scale again because i'm going from a secondary academy to a multi-academy so it's again another jump in itself if that 
that makes sense. It sounds like you've got some good people behind you as well supporting you. It does make a difference when you've got someone that believes in you. I, I was pushed by a head teacher as well to do some of the roles that I did. And, and they said, you don't sit and think about it by yourself. And someone says, oh, you know, I think you'd be really good at this. And you're looking thinking, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then when you do it, like you say, it just it kind of snowballs. And I have no doubt, you know, listening to the journey that you've been on, I've no doubt that within five years, and I'm sure it will be less, that you'll be a chief operating officer, uh, whether it's where you are now or somewhere. I really yeah. enjoyed listening to your story and I really admire your approach like I say, we're always learning, aren't we? And, and I think that really comes across in what you've said, you know, how much you've learned and yeah. how much you want to continue to learn to do it right. And I think that's really admirable. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it, it is it is nice to to get sort of comments around what you do. But to be honest, I haven't really said, you know, I've made mistakes as long, along the way as well. There's been a lot of things that I could have done better. So I suppose whatever bites you sometimes can actually be, be something that can make you a little bit stronger and make you a little bit better. So... There's a couple of things along the way that I that I wouldn't do again, and things I would do now. And it's about having the confidence that of the convictions that you know whatever you are trying to achieve. Um, I think you've just got to stick to your guns, and you've got to make sure that you don't waver from those things if, if they're the right thing to do. And ethically, things things have got to be done right, and that's that's one of my key drivers. Really, is is I, I don't like to do things just because it's an easy life. Although it would be an easy life, yeah. it's not the right thing to do. And I think that's something can cause a little bit of possibly friction, but um, it's around how you deal with that. Um, and I feel like the experience I've had over the last sort of four years, it's meant that I can now deal with that much more effectively because at the end of the day, I'm no longer in the shop window as somebody who could have the potential to work in a secondary. I've done that and I've got some things that I can demonstrate to people to show them this is why we've done that. And actually that that means a lot more than just empty words in, in effect. So that's that's mm. kind of what I've learned. Um, but I am still learning and I'm, I'm always keen to develop so cpd is something i would always advocate advocate everybody really um, no matter how long you've been in your role uh, whether you're, you're close to retirement or you're just starting out or somewhere in between everybody can can learn everybody can do something to almost refresh them a little bit you know to make things a little bit more current and i'm always learning that so even even now you know i've been in schools for 11 years only for three years i've only just started using three years ago electronic things such as more you know efficiency tools and, and systems in schools to make things more efficient and using um, electronic storage like google drive or things rather than having things on lots of devices i don't use paper and stuff anymore that yeah but only three years ago i learned that and you know I'm, I'm still learning now how we can do it even better and even better so that's one thing i would say if, if you know if you think you can't do something that's that's kind of fine but i would say if you go and get the training you will be able to do it and, and get the support from people behind you then I think you can do whatever you like really it's just around having that mindset that yes I don't know everything but I will find out how to do that and yeah. then when I've got that I can then help other people to do that and then they can help me in other ways and it's around you know collaborating um with other people in the profession because that's one thing we are quite good at now as a profession really is is supporting each other to do better and everybody's got their own skills and I think once you're together as a as a group it can really support each other to do to do as well as we can I think well speaking of that in terms of you know your story today, and if anyone's got any questions or they want to you know get some advice from you, you know how can people find you? Um, I mean the most uh, sort of popular method at the minute seems to be on Twitter. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've been I've been a little bit active on there recently, probably over the last two years. So it is mm-hmm. um, yeah Maverick underscore SPL. That's that's where I'm at really on there. The Maverick is another funny story, but I think we'll save it for another day. But it's just just somebody somebody sort of um, 
describe me as a little bit of a maverick because I do things slightly differently and, and that's where it came from I took it as a compliment I don't think it was meant as a compliment but um <laughs> but anyway that's where it came from but yeah I'm on there <laughs> and yeah I've got an email address as well which is jcoats1987 at icloud.com so if anybody has any has any questions and I'd love to help people if I can if it's something that I've done that can help somebody else I would love to share that knowledge um because I know somewhere down the line I've had to, I've had to ask people and I've had to be very sort of I said brave, I suppose, but, you know, I've got issues. So how do I solve this issue? I don't know everything. So, you know, it works both ways. So I'd love for people want to get in touch and I can you know, explain some of the things I've done and share knowledge, then that would be great. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I think it is, like I say, it's hard, isn't it, sometimes to ask for help or it feels, you know, a bit scary for admitting that you don't know something. But, you know, everyone is here to help. Um, so, yeah, if you want to get in touch with Johnny, um, then just find him on his Twitter account or drop him an email. Thank you so much, Johnny, for joining us on the show today. I really enjoyed it. And what a roller coaster of a story it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. For, yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. And um, I hope uh, I hope we can inspire some people to, to go out and get what they, what they really deserve in life. So thank you. Thank you very much, Laura. What a journey. Like Johnny said, and actually demonstrated with his story, we can achieve anything we put our minds to. Just because we don't know something doesn't mean we can't find out or it's impossible to do. To reach out and ask for support and advice because I can guarantee you if you've not done it or come across it someone else in the SBL community will have if you've got any questions for either myself or Johnny after listening to this episode you can find him on Twitter at Maverick SBL and me at Laura LJ Business also make sure you check out the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk for more useful links and resources Remember, this show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by clicking on the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.